WXDX FM, Pittsburgh. a good game for the Steelers. But that's his first complete game. 60 minutes without a fatal flaw. He's a second year guy. He's far from a finished product. And to me, he's not yet a number one running back. He played like one yesterday, but that's one game out of five. Somebody said on the Steelers postgame show that if Bell comes back, Bell should be the backup. The backup to Connor. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. A backup who makes 855 k per game. Bell could play on passing downs, I guess. Hey, if Connor is the number one back, if the Steelers trusted him that much, then trade Bell. But if Connor's not, bring back Bell, and Connor rarely plays unless Bell can't hack it. That's the only logical formula and I'm okay either way. Connor might be a number one back someday, and maybe even sooner than later. But if you still believe the Steelers can win a Super Bowl, you don't gamble on might. And let's not go overboard trying to put Connor on a pedestal just yet, like with this stat. Only two running backs ever had multiple games of 100 yards rushing, 50 yards receiving, and two touchdowns rushing in his team's first five games of a season. Connor, this year, and Jim Brown in 1963. That was all over the place following yesterday's game, and that record is so convoluted, and clearly just the way to get Connor's name in the same sense as Jim Brown's. It's like A.B. when he had five catches or more for 50 yards or more in 35 consecutive games. I mean, so what? And it doesn't erase Connor being invisible against Baltimore and Kansas City and fumbling the win again against Cleveland. Let the kid be good or not good. Don't try too hard. Uh, by the way, just so you know all the numbers, in his first five games in 1963, Jim Brown had 787 yards rushing and 10 touchdowns. In his first five games this year, Connor had 342 yards rushing and five touchdowns. Let's keep the pedestal vacant for the time being. Fairies wear boots and you gotta believe me. Jim Brown. Not Jim Brown nor James Brown. Give me a break. Barry's Wear Boots brought you by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. I also see people tweeting, well, Connor did better in the first five games this year than Bell did in the first five games last year. That's true, because Lev Bell sucked in the first four games last year, and we never have admitted, well, you never have admitted, that Bell had an average season, average at best last season. His per carry and per catch were like second lowest of his career. Bell was a workhorse last year. 
That was his biggest strength in 2017, and now he's trying to get away from that. There's some irony there. You could argue, in fact, that Lev Bell is in decline. But really, I should stick to hockey, and pretty soon I will. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. And I get people, I posted some of this stuff. In fact, uh, that's my blog today. All the stuff I just talked about on the Mark Madden page at WXDX.com. And I get people tweeting at me, how stupid are you, fat ass? You're comparing James Conner to Jim Brown? No, I I didn't. The folks who dug up that convoluted, fabricated, quote-unquote, record did. And then everyone chimed in, and I think it's ridiculous. And I know I paint myself as the bad guy, and I also know I don't care. By, you know, not criticizing James Conner, but putting things in perspective. Maybe too much bloody perspective as was once said at Elvis's grave at Graceland, uh, he's pretty good. Done real good yesterday. He ain't Jim Brown. He ain't Lev Bell. And in my opinion, he's not yet a number one running back. And one of the most prescient things I said uh, during Fairies Wear Boots is, if the Steelers believe themselves a to be a legitimate Super Bowl contender, if they still think that, And they definitely did, and so did you, and so did I at season's beginning. If the Stillers still think that, then you got to bring Bell back. You can't gamble on might, as in Connor might be number one back. You don't gamble on the word might if you're a legitimate contender. 412-333-9939. Let's go to David and Belvern and David, you're on the Mark Madden show. Hey, how you doing, Mark? Great. Good, me too. I was listening to the B team today and they're completely lost. I agree with you. Bell comes back, he's your workhorse, and Connor fills in if he goes down. Well, now now that could be a process though. I, I do agree that, that if Bell comes back during the bye week and gets a couple weeks of practices in, although that bye week do they even practice? I think they might practice once and everybody goes home. But uh, but uh, if, if Bell comes back and gets that practice in, I still expect Connor to start the game against the Browns, the seventh game, and then Bell gets phased in as his readiness dictates. Now, if his readiness doesn't dictate, then I'd cut him. If I, I No, once he comes in, though, and signs yeah. that tender... He's a vested veteran that gets paid for the rest of the year. So, again, that is a situation that, in my mind, still is so up for grabs, or at least should be in the Steelers' minds. I don't know how it's going to work out. But if Bell comes in, how can you pay him that cash and not start him and not give him, I don't know, 80% of the snaps at least? I agree 100%. That's why you're the super genius and there to beat Oh, my God. I think it takes no... Uh, IQ of any any great amount to to figure that out, but I did hear. Uh, I, I, I maybe I misheard. Uh, we'll ask Stan tomorrow. I think I heard Stan say on the Steeler post game 
that Connor should start and Bell should be the backup. Now, if that holds for a game or two, that I kind of get. But it can't hold past that. It simply cannot hold past that. Unless, like I said, Bell just comes to camp fat, high, not prepared, doesn't get prepared, and then, boy, you've made just a horrible mistake. In fact, I think the way this has been handled, and I would have handled it the same way up till uh, training camp, well, rather, week one of the season, the Wednesday before when all hell broke loose, but uh, the Steelers probably made the mistake concerning Le'Veon Bell a long time ago. Let's go to Mike and Moon. Mike, you're on with Double M. Yeah, Mike, what's up? Hey, what's up, Mark? Hi, Mike. I called in Friday and said that Ollie Ma should be replaced by Yusuf Rikula. And you yep, they're not going to do that. Okay, they anything else? They did in practice this morning. What's that? They did in practice this morning in the lines. Yeah, Ollie's going to play. Well, put it this way. If Ollie doesn't play Thursday, Sullivan screws up. If you're, you're going to make a decision based on your established uh, defenseman, based on a couple bad games, uh, I wouldn't do it. Maybe Mike Isn't will. try, though? No, no, it's not, in my mind, worth a try. I uh, think it's only two games, and I think Juso Ricola has never played a game in the NHL in his life. And if I put him in for anybody, it would be uh, Jamie Alexiak, who I think has struggled mightily. But, uh, you know, if they, they could, you know, Mike can do whatever he wants. He's the coach. If he does that, I'd be shocked. It is not what I would do. But you know what? The whole town's determined to bench Ali Mata. Why not go ahead and do it? Because you know what happens when they do? Then we see what happens. It went well last year. They didn't bench Ali Mata last year. Anything else? Oh. I mean, I did Ali Mata bang your girlfriend or something? Seriously, because you just think he stinks, I can tell, and are determined to bench him. Did he bang your girlfriend, your mother, your sister, your brother? I mean, what the hell went on? Because you have this deep-seated hatred of Olimata that doesn't make sense. All he's done is play well and win you cups, and you don't deserve it. You don't deserve Olimata. Anything else? No, that's it. Well, you put the dumb in dumbfounded just now. I didn't see that for practice. I'm too busy thinking about the Steelers today, which is so unlike me. But uh, if they replace Mata with Juso just because Ole had a couple bad games... I don't like it, and I don't agree with it. 412-333. Oh, okay, Jonathan Bomboli just tweeted, as Penguins ball changes on defense, Juso Ricola could bump Ole Mata from lineup. That is what's known as overreacting. 412-333-9939. We got Mike Lang at the bottom of the hour. It's the Mark Madden Show, 105.90X. Jonathan Bomboli's story published at the TribLive.com website said that uh, Juso Ricola skated with Jamie Alexiak on the third pair at Penguins practice today. Uh, Mata skated on the fourth pair with Ruedel, Latang, and Dumoulin stayed together. And uh, Jack Johnston, Justin Schultz were reunited. Uh, they played well in training camp and uh, for some reason were split apart. And Johnston flip-flopped sides. Once the regular season started, which is not what I would have done. Uh, sorry, but I wouldn't bench Olimata for Juso Ricola. If I had to bench somebody for Ricola, it would be Alexiak. And if Mata does get benched, I couldn't disagree more with any move Mike Sullivan could.
could make. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Today's Columbus Day. I did not realize that. Uh, we got hockey on TV. Buffalo is blowing out Vegas at Buffalo 4-1. to I would laugh except Flurry's in goal for Vegas. And the Penguins got blown up by Montreal Saturday night. Wow, how about that game? Uh, Flurry apparently is going to play uh, Wednesday again at Washington. And then uh, Malcolm Saban, the Vegas backup, will play Thursday night at Pittsburgh. That's according, by the way, to Rob Rossi, who now has joined the staff of TheAthletic.com and has rechristened himself Robert Rossi. Which, no offense to Rob, but that's utterly laughable. And I will never refer to him as Robert Rossi in anything but a laughing and mocking tone. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Uh, how about those Milwaukee Brewers? They've won 11 straight. They swept the division series against Colorado. And they are now in the NLCS. Keep in mind, I say this very seriously, and I want you to listen and comprehend so you feel bad. That could have been the Pirates. If the Pirates had spent and built on what they had from 13 through 15, like Milwaukee did on their nucleus this past offseason, that could have been the Pirates. Uh, Here's a, a football note. That's uh, interesting, irritating, whatever word you'd like to use. Odell Beckham Jr. criticized Eli Manning. Keep in mind, he just apologized to the locker room after criticizing the team in general last week. Odell Beckham Jr. said that Eli Manning is throwing the ball safe. Which, I'm not sure how deep of an insult that is, but I know it's not a compliment. And he says he's not being given the opportunity in New York to do his best. This guy just signed a deal that was too long and for too much money, and there's his friggin' gratitude. And don't get me wrong, I think the Giants should have drafted a quarterback instead of Saquon Barkley, because I think Eli Manning's way past it, and they needed to start that transition. Not that I don't think Saquon Barkley will wind up being a fine player for the Giants. I mean, so far, so good. And uh, next year, I think the Giants will have to take the quarterback in the first round. But if I'm Eli Manning with my two Super Bowl rings, neither of which Odell Beckham Jr. helped me win, I'd go up to him in the locker room and say, F you, who'd you ever beat? That's way out of line for Odell Beckham Jr., a guy with great stats, great hair, great hype, but you couldn't melt that bitch down and pour him into a tough game. For Odell Beckham Jr. to criticize Eli Manning is way, way out of line. 412-333-9939. Let's go to uh, Jeff and Overbrook. Jeff, you're on with Mark. Yeah, I've been listening to talk shows at work all day. I mean, who knows if Le'Veon Bell's even going to come? Maybe you he's know? just breathing heavy. Uh, you know what I'm saying, though? Wait. We don't, uh, we don't, we don't know if he's going to show up. Uh, well, he's not yet told the Steelers he's he's going to be there. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I'll believe it when I see it. And who knows what version of Le'Veon Bell they're going to get when he does uh, grace Pittsburgh with his presence. 
Let's go to uh, Connor in the car. Connor, you're on with Double M. Hey, Double M. Yep. Hey, I want to I want to know what you see in Olimata because for me, he's the only Penguin that does not pass the eye test. Well, then your eyes don't know what they're seeing. Uh, he won uh, two cups. He had a great year last year. He was no worse than their third best defenseman last year. He has remarkable consistency. Uh, when he's healthy, which he finally was, and which he definitely is, and he did not play well in the first two games. Uh, I don't know anybody that goes 82 for 82. And I think, honestly, I'm a little disappointed with Sullivan if he benches Mata because that strikes me as kind of capricious given that everybody's played bad except for Crosby and Gensel in these first two games. It, it strikes me as arbitrary. That's another word for capricious, by the way. And uh, I don't like it. It, it smacks of finger pointing. I do not like it. Thank you for the call. Let's go to uh, Brad in the car. Brad, you're on with Double M. Hey, thank you for taking my call. Good afternoon. Right. Um, Oli Mata was an integral part of winning two Stanley Cups, which is experience that you just can't buy. You can't teach it. You can't do anything to get that. Where is this ob- abject hatred of him coming from? I know that it's hatred. I just think fans like to blame somebody whenever anything goes wrong, and they get used to pointing the finger at uh, a particular scapegoat very often. But but here's another. Here's part two of that equation. Never mind the crit- criticism, Olimata. Who died and declared Josu Ricola Nick Lidstrom? I mean, the guy's never played a game in the league. He's 24. He didn't get drafted. Nobody showed any interest in bringing him over here until an advanced age. And maybe Rutherford's right, but we don't know that for sure. The overreaction to him having had a couple good exhibition games is ludicrous. Now it's time for a giveaway. Get a couple tickets to see the struts at the ex-Kick-Ass Christmas show Saturday, December 1st at Stage A.E., you can get pre-sale info for that show at WXDX.com, but why not call in and win right now? Caller number 11 at 412-333-WXDX. The Hall of Famer's up next. Mike Lang here on 105.9. This is Sidney Crosby of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 The X. It's double M on The X. It is my pleasure to welcome once again to the show... He is the voice of hockey in Pittsburgh. He is the Hall of Famer, Penguins legendary play-by-play man, Mike Klang. Uh, Mike, it's exciting to have you back on the show, and better yet to hear you on the mic during games. It's a rite of passage every October. Amazingly, it comes around uh, quicker now than it ever did uh, <laughs> to get back into the groove. But, uh, you know, the weather's been pretty decent, so uh, who knows with the climate change, Mark. You, you might be way ahead of the fashion world with their shirts. You might be able to wear them year-round. You do quite a bit. Oh, those Hawaiian shirts, yeah, on TV. They look good, don't they? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it puts you in the mood. <laughs> I mean, I look for the palm trees, and uh, it gets everybody excited, no question. Well, uh, I'm not sure how excited we should be about these first two games by the Penguins, Mike, but they're kind of typical for early season, aren't they? For the Penguins, uh, the, the last few years have been a lot like this, uh, just kind of getting off to you know, a subpar uh, start and what they would consider to be, uh, you know, the game of hockey. But uh, it's not something we haven't seen before. I mean, we've seen this fish before. My only concern, uh, Mark, and I say it basically every year, is, is, again, we don't know how how much the other teams have improved. 
And uh, that's going to be a, a key thing. I mean, it's uh, just to make the playoffs. I know it sounds so easy for everybody uh, at this point. Oh, they're in, stamp them in, it's going to be done. But last year, I mean, they finished with 100 points, and that's a pretty damn good record. And they were just four points ahead of Florida. They got knocked out with 96. So uh, it gives you an idea of what you got to play. I mean, you got to win 50 games uh, to get yourself in that position to be in, in the playoffs, and it's not easy to do. And uh, they'll, uh, you know, they'll be here and battling hard. But I think it's going to be a little tighter as far as the East is concerned uh, this year. There won't be as many runaway teams. And every year I say that, it, it uh, there's two or three that drop way down. But uh, I think it's going to be very competitive. What cures the sloppiness we saw in the first two games? Because, like Mike Sullivan said, everybody just wants to score. But when you have talented players, that happens a lot early in the season. Well, you got a couple of factors. I mean, you still have the readjustment of. Uh, uh, of uh, Jack uh, Johnson coming in to play with the defense and uh, the changes there. Uh, you know, I, I, I honestly think that one of the key ingredients for the Penguins to have success, and they have they have had it with uh, Mike Sullivan, is is a four-line team. They've been playing from behind in a number of situations, so they haven't been able to really put that in motion uh, as of yet. And the forwards are going to have to come back and, uh, and work it. I mean, they're going to have to be there uh, available for outlet passes and uh, they're going to have to get their nose dirty. They're going to have to dig in there and get the puck. And teams with speed and uh, and pressure, and like we saw with Montreal the other night, they played 60 minutes and they were in your face continually. It's not easy uh, to play that defensive part of it, but to be successful uh, in the game today, you're going to have to be at least on par with them to give yourself a chance to win. The only thing that concerns me a bit moving forward is Matt Murray's performance. Not Not too much, Mike. We both know how good he is. But I was hoping Murray could start the year with some confidence. Well, I don't think he has. I don't think he's lacking that. I mean, in my discussion with him in training camp and uh, and, and a few first few days of the season, I find him to be really confident. Uh, quite the contrary, as far as uh, you know, having any doubts about himself. I, I really think that he feels that he's he's going to have himself a good year. Uh, now, you know, I mean, does it translate into happening? I don't know. I mean, he's won two cups and. Uh, I think the record kind of speaks for itself, but I've also seen goaltenders uh, have great starts in their career and then kind of fade in the in the sunset. Uh, Steve Mason might be the most recent one, who was a rookie of the year in the NHL and then kind of you know filtered on down. And uh, I'm not even sure if he's in uh, with a National Hockey League team this year. So, I mean, it does happen, but I just don't see it in, in Matt Murray uh, as a league figured him out. Well, that's a possibility of being a little bit more aware. But I, I think from the overall standpoint, the Penguins are going to have him. He's going to be their number one guy. There's no question about it. Uh, with an, uh, a very a very good backup, too. And I think Mike Sullivan, if he feels there's any question mark at all, will go to Casey DeSmith without question uh, and put him in the net and uh, let him take a run at it to see if he can uh, turn turn the tide for the Penguins should it continue. For entertainment's sake, opening night against Washington was pretty good, wasn't it? Yeah, it is. It's pretty special. Notice how the goals are up now this year, Mark, uh, in, in the league, and uh, everybody's buzzing. Everybody is talking about it. So uh, it's really good. I think it's good for the game of hockey. Uh, um, you know, one time in the 90s, and even before that, if you got a goals against average of three or less, and there was only one or two goaltenders in that whole uh, atmosphere that had that number, that was unbelievable. Now it's kind of planted at two. You know what I'm saying? Where they've kind of moved the bar up a whole goal. So we're maybe getting a little taste of what we used to have. Uh, 
maybe guys have figured it out a little bit. One of the other things is last year, for the first time, I can never remember this ever happening. There were 18 teams in the league that were above 20% on the power play. That's unheard of. And maybe that's the key reason why goal scoring started to uh, progress. And maybe it's continuing here. I haven't done the numbers to look at it. But I do know that uh, the game has opened up a little bit, and, and we're seeing a lot more skill, and the players have it, and uh, it's fun to watch. It really is. One thing I've noticed, Mike, even when the games get sloppy, Sidney Crosby never is, and neither is the coach's kid, Jake Gensel. Some guys can just keep coloring inside the lines even when nobody else does. Yeah, they just uh, it's its just part of their makeup. I mean, I really believe that. They've been so... Uh, Staunch in, in how they approach the game. Uh, Sid's not going to vary, and I don't think Gensel will either because his dad will yell at him. And, you know, that's not fun. You don't like that. But I do think that those two guys are uh, are, are, are ones, and they lead, you know. So they're going to have to try and get some of the other uh, players to uh, make a part of it and and help it out. I do think one of the uh, – we were talking about – I was talking about the fourth line. If they can just get that – Move in, and I frankly probably would move Matt Cullen back to center because he's so good in his own zone defensively as a center, and maybe move Shahan, who has the size and uh, you know the the way to work the boards, and and maybe let them uh, kind of kind of work it out. But you've got uh, you need to get that fourth line, even if it's uh, you know a number of shifts during the course of a game that can kind of you know sparky at times. And, and Cullen also, you know, he's a good penalty killer, so. I do think it's going to be an ingredient that they'll need to improve on and be better on this year, and I think they will. So I think if they can get back where they can roll some lines, I think that'll make them a much better team. We're talking to the Hall of Famer Mike Lang. Mike's brought to you by Coors Light. Uh, The Penguins have a lot of depth, Mike. You've touched on some of that just now, and that depth carries over to defense. Uh, What are your first impressions of Jack Johnson with the Penguins and of Juso Ricola the rookie from Finland, who it looks like might play Thursday against Vegas. Well, they both have been impressive. I, I like Jack Johnson. I liked him even before he, he signed the, on the dotted line. Uh, he brings everything to the table. He has uh, the size. He has the speed. He has the shot. Uh, he's tough. He's competitive. He has all the ingredients. I think fans really are going to love him uh, before that's all done. Um, Ricola certainly has been the surprise of the camp. There isn't any question about it. He is way, way beyond his years. Is the way he plays the game. And when he first came in to play in a preseason game uh, here against the big boys, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of a, uh, an eye-opener. But he didn't falter at all. I thought the first day in training camp, he had the big eyes, you know, seeing what was going on. But, boy, did he come quickly. And uh, this this guy is not only, uh, you know, a, a good skater, uh, can move the puck. He also can play on the power play. But he's terrific defensively. And I... I vividly remember uh, seeing him in a two-on-one break in the preseason game where just certain players are in a two-on-one. If they go down, a lot of times they'll go down a little earlier than they should, and that opens it up. Not this guy. He was right there. The timing was perfect, broke up the play, and that told me something. You know, He's a pretty smart hockey player, so I think he's got a future here. There's no question about that. Uh, and we'll probably play a lot of games here for the Penguins before this season's all done. Uh, you mentioned uh, Cullen and Shane, and, and your point about Cullen being so good at the center position is well taken. What's your uh, take on Sprong so far on that line? I know fourth line's not exactly his style, but I don't know where else he could fit. Well, you know, he's in the, uh, I don't want to say infant stages because he's not, he's past that. 
But, uh, you know, the, the ice time is so limited from how he plays the game and what he's been used to. So that's something that's, uh, you know, and, and you get in that position where you just don't want to make a mistake. You just don't want to make a mistake. You know, you got everybody hounding you. And he can't be, I, I don't think he's his natural self. I think if he's going to play in the NHL, it's going to be on a top two line uh, situation. And eventually he will get there. I, I, his talent is too good. It's too good. It's just taken a long time for him to do it. I remember back, oh, wow, who is, I'll tell you what, the name, this name will sound very familiar to you, Marcus Naslin. Yes. And Marcus Naslin could not play on the Penguins. He could not play on the Penguins. There was no room for him on the right wing. The Penguins had Joey Mullen, Rick Tockett. Uh, you can help me out here. Yarmer Yager. Uh, and, and three unbelievable players. And so they made a trade, I mean, to get rid of him. That's the talent that Sprong has. He has a similar type of talent to score goals and, and do things. So it's sometimes you're just overloaded in one position where I don't know if he can play the left wing. I saw him the first year he was here. He played with Sid a little bit, and I thought he was pretty decent on the left side. But I just think it's just a matter of time before he gets his break. And when he does, he's going to fill the net. I really firmly believe that. He's just too good, Mark, uh, to be... Uh, to being left out, but I also know how good Marcus Naslin was when he played with us and didn't couldn't find a place to play. Mike, we haven't talked since Washington won the Stanley Cup last year. Uh, what was your take on that? I was kind of happy for Ovechkin. I'm sorry it came at Pittsburgh's expense, but a guy that good that long, maybe he deserved that. Well, I think you know, I think if we're fair about it, I I think that Ovechkin certainly has earned it. Uh, he plays the game hard every night. There isn't any question. We've watched him over the years. Uh, he's been a seven-time, uh, you know, goal-scoring champ in the in the NHL. He's done everything but win a cup, and then he did it this year. Uh, I think, to be quite honestly, they ended up being the better team. Now, I honestly feel this way, uh, that I think, and I could be totally wrong, and everybody will say, no, 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 but I, I do think Kessel was, uh, was hurt. I do think Malkin was hurt. And those are two big ingredients that the Penguins needed uh, uh, to make it. I do think if they win game six and they win it in overtime, the Penguins win game seven, and guess what? I think they win another cup. I think they were that good uh, to be able to win another cup, but they just were short-changed in the, in, in the way the bodies responded. And uh, I give Washington a lot of credit. They came to play hockey, and they played right on through Tampa and right on through Vegas the same style, and uh, it was impressive. Uh, it reminded me of, of the Penguins when you – when you make a couple of big comebacks like they did, and you get that confidence, uh, you got a real shot to win the cup, and they took it and ran with it. Give them credit. Uh, Vegas is here Thursday. That's uh, the Penguins' next game. Can they maintain last year's Cinderella story? They're getting beat pretty good at Buffalo as we speak. Yeah, that's uh, you know there'll be surprises in the early going, and that might be one of them. Uh, I didn't see who was in the net. Do you know, Mark? Well, it looks like Flurry's not going to play. Uh, at Pittsburgh uh, on on Thursday, he is playing today in Buffalo. Okay, well then he uh, he wants to play against the Capitals. I know that uh, because of the, losing the series last year. But I mean that may not happen to him if he loses today. Uh, Gerard Gallant may come back and uh, and not put him in that game. So uh, I wouldn't think anything's written in stone as far as that's concerned. But. Uh, and he could play all of them. And if he plays all of them, that would be something. But sooner or later, they're going to have to start their uh, game plan for for uh, moving people around. You got that's three games in what four nights? That's pretty heavy uh, for a goaltender, especially on the road. 
so one way or the other, he probably isn't going to play one of them. And uh, all point for Penguin fans, it's uh, he's going to play this one, but I'm not really sure how it's going to play out for him. Mike, your first year on Mike with the Penguins was 1974. Uh, how do you keep it fresh for yourself? Because uh, your enthusiasm is still very palpable. You know what keeps it fresh is the game. I mean, they, they, every night it's a different game, Mark, and that's what makes the, it beautiful. Uh, you know, we go in there and we sit, and it's it's going to be something different. And uh, I love to talk about it, and I love to see it. Uh, and the youth of the team and the players keep you young uh, when you're around them and you're uh, you're energized and you want to see them succeed. Uh, there's nothing like it. So it's a lot of fun. That's how we keep it going. Mike, great stuff as always. I appreciate taking the time. Good to have you back, and we'll do it again in a couple weeks. I'll see I you love Thursday. It. I love it. All right, Marco. Thanks so much for having me. That is Mike Lang, the Hall of Famer. Nothing better than him. Oh, wait. Uh, yeah, Flurry struggled, by the way. They lost to Philadelphia Thursday, and Flurry allowed five goals on 16 shots and got pulled. So, you know, good goalies get off to bad starts. I think we're seeing that with Mark in Vegas and uh, with Matthew Murray here in Pittsburgh. In just a moment, we'll talk to Bob McLaughlin, a lot of Steeler talk. We'll talk about the possibility also that Ricola replaces Mata in the lineup Thursday. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9. Fitness. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, Mark, how you doing? We're all going to rock to the rules I make. Double M, big fan. How you like it now, bitch? DX at 105.9. I'm joined now by Bob McLaughlin. Bob brought to you by 84 Lumber. Bob, what's your take on uh, the report that Ole Mata was on the fourth pair today at Penguins practice, which uh, makes it look as if Juso Ricola might replace him for the home game Thursday against Vegas, which is the next time the Penguins take the ice? Um, first blush, Mark, maybe just a message. You know, even Sullivan said, look, this isn't what we're definitely going with on uh, Thursday okay, night. Okay, a message to who? To Mata. I mean, okay, obviously, well, if he's the one What about the message out, to Gino for the million turnovers in these two games? And for that matter, all the forwards. I think the forwards were most at fault for the defensive liabilities in these first two games, Bob. Uh, they made a million mistakes in the neutral zone and in the defensive zone. They were lazy and not committed to the back check. And I think to bench one defenseman after the forwards were the main cause of the problems on defense, again, I think it seems arbitrary. No, that it could be. Uh, you know, my response to your question was just what do I, what did I think he was doing because he sat moder move moder the fourth line pairing. Um, I just thought that maybe that Paul Byron goal the other night stood out a little bit. And this, remember, this isn't what they're doing Thursday. Coach Sullivan said that. We're going to look at some things. We're looking at availability. We're looking at maybe people who match up. It might be totally different tomorrow. He might try him with somebody else. He might have Ricola sitting out. He might have Jokinen sitting well, out. It, it sounds to me like Ricola's going to play on uh, Thursday. And they're in love with the make no mistake after his camp. But I keep coming back to him never having played in the league and never having been looked at by anybody in the league until he was 24. And after not being drafted. So if I'm skeptical, forgive me, but I think my skepticism is uh, is steeped in in truth, in fact, and at least valid speculation as to if this guy is good enough. Maybe it could be as simple as they just want to see his mobility, compare it to some of the other D players, and go from there. Maybe they just want to get him in a game, see how he handles it. It's early enough in the season, just like you were talking about in the 3 o'clock hour. No overreaction right now. They want to get a look. Maybe that's the best time to do it. 
What's your take on the Steelers win, Bob? I think that was by far the most complete 60 minutes they've played. Yeah, I was impressed. I agree with you. They they uh, did better things all across the board. The defense was better. The communication on defense, much better. Uh, ben and A.B., although, like you talked about, it took them a while to get together. Uh, the trust is there. The ability is there. The, the long ball to A.B., that was put, I mean, that was, when you look up perfect pass, that was right there. Double coverage, A.B. outran it. Ben had it right there. Touchdown. The other one, perfect timing. Corner of the end zone. That's what we've seen time and time again. We weren't getting that earlier in the season. Good to see it back between A.B. and uh, Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, and hopefully they can build on that because, yeah. as mentioned, it, it came kind of late in the game, but it doesn't matter when it came as long as it continues. Yeah, and it wasn't perfect yesterday by no means. There were some misses in the first oh, half. I was real worried when Ben tried to force that pass to A.B. to end the first half End and left half, points yeah. on the field in a very close game at the time. At that point, the Steelers are ahead 13-10. to 10. You felt like they should have been ahead by quite a bit more. Con- uh, uh, Boswell had missed an extra point. Oh. It just it was just quirky enough of a first <laughs> half where you were a bit worried. Although I said earlier, I never felt like they were in danger of losing, and I guess I didn't then either. I just thought it was... Harder than it should have been to that point. It's funny you make that point, though, Mark, when he missed the point after, the point after try. I honestly was thinking, oh, my, here we go again. What is going on? They are just snake bit right now. Uh, but they turned it up after that. A lot of things look good. James Conner looked good. I'd be remiss. And also, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the play of Hayden and Mike Hilton. Mike Hilton, maybe a smaller player out there, but he causes a lot of problems when he comes in and he comes in fast and he comes in at a right angle. I think that him being out there and once he got into the backfield a couple of times, um, they were wary of him. I think Matt Ryan had a little bit of problem with figuring out what exactly he was going to do. Well schemed by the defense yesterday. Yeah. I thought Hayden was kind of past that one-on-one matchup with a Julio Jones type at this point, in Hayden's career. And, and to be accurate, they doubled on Jones just about mm-hmm. every every down, but uh, Hayden was always in the mix. He he did the grunt work. Always in the mix, Mark, and good tackling. There was a lot of good tackling by the Steelers' defense yesterday. So good to see T.J. Watt get back into it. Good to see Cam Hayward get one. Uh, sacks piling up yesterday. Hopefully they can continue that against a tougher Bengals team next week. That's Bob McLaughlin brought to you by 84 Lumber. In 30 seconds, I'm going to go off the beaten path and talk about the main event of Saturday night's Ultimate Fighting Championships card. It's the kind of thing you don't want to think was great, but it was great. 105.9 The X.